Frutters and Sorors, the Imperator of the Rosicrucian Order Amorc, Ralph M. Lewis. Frutters and Sorors, the problem of attaining personal peace or inner harmony is becoming increasingly difficult. Peoples of the world are exposed to an impact of distressing news and that which is potential with great danger. Many of the statements of commentators, news analysts, editors and the like are intentionally kept tense. It is their way of employing the psychological principle of suspense, the sustaining of interest by dramatization and over-exaggerating every incident of importance. These persons know how profoundly the populace is concerned with the world's state of affairs, and they capitalize upon it. They isolate and then augment to a highly emotional degree some otherwise casual incident in the day's news. As a result of this tendency, mostly done for the purpose of increasing circulation rather than for public information, it becomes difficult for people to find refuge from such influences. The usual channels to which persons are accustomed to escape from the turbulence of the day, such as radio, television, magazines, movies, and newspapers, are saturated with disquieting headlines, comments, pictures, and editorials. It is not that the average intelligent man or woman does not want to be well informed. He also does not want to retreat from reality like an ostrich, putting his head in a hole in the sand. Yet he does wish to realize his own self occasionally. He desires to meditate upon the impressions rushing in upon him so that he may put his mind in order. He does not feel that all life's activities are trenchant and vile. He believes that there are some noble things that can and should be done, through which some of the world's tensions can be lessened. He also knows that society is only as men think, believe, and act individually. It is this individuality of self that he wants to preserve. If individuals are despondent, or abandon all hope for social improvement, then the agencies of society, its various activities, come to reflect this attitude. However, a certain amount of idealism exists in every person. There is almost an instinctive insight had by each normal person as to the best procedure to follow if he is given the opportunity to meditate upon it without being influenced adversely. Thou's goal in the marketplaces of ancient Athens, Socrates revealed that almost every man can come to a wise decision upon the most important matters if the content of such matters was fairly presented to his better judgment. The problem which confronts most persons is to where to go to find that environment which will arouse one's spiritual and finer sentiments. The present appeals tend too much to the passions and to materialism 
to a stark preservation of our economic order at the cost of humanitarian idealism. It is regrettable to say that many churches and temples of the different sects do not afford that sanctuary for peace with oneself. For political and propaganda motives, across the pulpits and altars of these holy places, there often comes a virtual barrage of words of hatred, enmity, and the condoning of destruction of some people or nation to save their vested rights, prestige, or religious dominance. A strong people is a people who are not panicky, fearful, and jittery. They are a people who have arrived at a decision from an unemotional point of view under the clear guidance of a well-disciplined mind inspired by the highest dictation of self. Such persons can make mistakes in their decisions. However, not being terror-stricken, they can more readily and freely adjust their minds to each changing event and make corrections. If Rosicrucians faithfully and conscientiously maintain a sanctum in their homes, consecrated to that which they hold to be sacred, they will find that it will become the sanctuary for their own rehabilitation. In devoting even a few minutes to being alone each day, the Rosicrucian can weigh the impressions of his spiritual motives as against all else that has crowded in upon him objectively during the day. In such brief periods of relaxation, he will be amazed to notice the new light in which the circumstances of the day will appear. The true from the false will be easily distinguished, and the latter just as easily dispelled from one's mind. That which we need most, in fact, what the world needs most, is the opportunity for personal thought and the free exercise of self. There is no greater need today than for the silence of self, the aloneness with one's own triune nature. Those who are so unfortunate as not to be able to establish such a sanctum in their homes, no matter how humble, must find a substitute for it outside. The great out of doors was man's first temple. There is still none better. A walk down a forest trail, even if covered with snow, is inspiring. And so is a slow, meditative stroll across open fields with a pet dog trotting along. Or an isolated perch upon a jutting rock underneath a windswept sky overlooking sea or bay. All of these circumstances may provide a suitable contact with the cosmic, an occasion for that peace within. Those who reside in large cities and who have no home sanctum need not feel that they are deprived of this opportunity to be alone. If one will use the same initiative and thought to find a place in his city for such periods of meditation as he does to secure his worldly interests, he will succeed. It is not too difficult to locate a niche in a public park, a bench that is more or less secluded. One might even stroll to the end of a pier or a wharf. Such places provide the atmosphere with the quieting effect of lapping waters. I am reminded of a method 
employed by a frater in the middle western United States to find this peace within. He is a locomotive engineer or driver on one of the crack streamlined transcontinental trains known as the city of San Francisco. This train with its many cars travels at very high speed from Chicago to the Pacific Coast. This frater is the engineer of this train for a large portion of this journey. Obviously his responsibility is great and the resulting tension considerable. Increasing automobile traffic has added to the hazards which he encounters. When at home, he has found it difficult to relax and to find just that environment for attaining peace within. Recently he became a member of a local flying club. He and his associates purchased a new, small cabin airplane. He has become a proficient pilot and he is not a young man. With elation, he told me how he has found peace and the opportunity for meditation for which he so long sought. When off duty, he flies in the cabin plane to an altitude of three or 4,000 feet in smooth weather. He then trims the plane, that is, puts it in a state of balance where it virtually flies itself in the vault of the blue sky. While cruising along, he recollects passages from his recently studied monographs and even practices some of his mystical exercises. There, suspended between the heavens and the earth, and with a sense of freedom, he acquires a new perspective of the affairs of his life. This inner view fortifies him for the events of the day. As the father related these facts to me, there was a radiance about him a confidence and happiness by which I was strongly impressed. One, of course, does not need to learn to fly a plane in order to find the sanctuary of self, but each can use his initiative to recapture his intimate feelings and thoughts and the peace which follows from them. So mote it be.